You've reached Vernon First Baptist Church. We are continuing our series in Hebrews. It's all about Jesus. And this Sunday we have a guest preacher, Pastor Dan, the former pastor here at First Baptist, is giving us our passage today about being at peace and let no root of bitterness dwell among you. And so I'm going to turn it over to Ruth, who will read our passage from Hebrews 12. You can turn there now if you want, and then we will hear from Dan Watt as he gives us a great word. Not a good challenge, but a real encouragement. Blessings. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms in weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not, may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who, for a single meal, sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. Even, so, even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. A special thanks to uh, Su Hyun, Ora, Dan, Charles, and uh, Ihok for leading us. I don't know uh, if uh, you realize this, but uh, in 2001, in December, the Senate, I'm reading this off the Canadian government website, uh, adopted a motion to propose, which was accepted, of course, that uh, the month of May be designated as Asian Heritage Month, month in Canada. And uh, the reason for that was so that uh, all Canadians across the country could begin to uh, recognize, to appreciate um, all of the benefits and things that uh, the Asian population in Canada has brought to us over uh, the last couple of centuries. And so today we've uh, been very blessed to have had you uh, share with us. And, uh, you know, it probably won't be too long, maybe even in my lifetime, that Asian Canadians outnumber the rest of us. So, you know what? Praise the Lord, right? Hello? Amen. Oh, you are here. Okay. Uh, all right. Anyhow. I just wanted to uh, draw attention to that. And uh, when Su Hyun said 
His pronunciation was terrible. You should hear mine in Korea. Kamsamnida <laughs> to you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I know I was going to start with a bad joke, but I decided not to tell you. Now, of course, you all want to know, right? That's right. Do you know what kind of tea Abraham drinks? He brews. <laughs> okay, I know. I'm going to start a timer here, otherwise I'll be up here for too long, as you well know. Uh, so, the uh, text for this morning, thank you again, Ruth, for reading it for us, contains uh, verses 14 and 15 in particular is the direction that I'd like us to focus on today. And I'm not sure, you know, for yourselves how you think about the effect of bitterness in your own life. But I think uh, through these two pandemic years and the things that we've been through, that uh, it's playing a bigger role in our lives and in our relationships than perhaps we recognize. And so I wanted to uh, not just take a look at uh, the causes or the uh, results of that in our lives, but also look at a way that we can prevent it or the, the way that we can begin to see its influence in our lives diminish and in the lives of our families because it's affected all of us. And, uh, you know, it's not just the pandemic uh, issues. Uh, within my own family, we have conspiracy theorists, we have those who are totally opposed to vaccination, we have those that wave flags with the truckers and those that are just absolutely uh, think that's totally obnoxious. We have some even to this day where we still can't visit because unless we uh, actually have a test before we go to their house, they won't let us in and things like that. And so um, we all have these resentments that build up. Now, when we talk about bitterness, quite often we don't really recognize it. But I think all of us, when I say resentment, you know what, a, you, you know what that feeling of resentment is, don't you? Can you nod your head if you know? Yes. When you feel resentful about something, you, you know what I mean when I say resentfulness, or I resent that, or this, or whatever. Uh, it could be something that your spouse or someone in your family um, actually does sort of, you know, all the time, and it's been going on for years, and even while I'm talking about it right now, you go, yeah, I know what that is, right? Well, the more that we resent a certain thing or a certain incident or a certain way of another person or a certain philosophy they have, or whatever that happens to be, then the root of bitterness grows deeper. The, every time we feel that resentment about that particular thing, the root goes deeper, and it goes a little deeper, it goes a little deeper, to the point where eventually we perhaps don't even recognize uh, the root, but we do recognize the resentment. Anyhow, 
1 Corinthians 13, which is read this beautiful love chapter again and again and again at wedding ceremonies and that we love. Um, at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, of course, there's chapter 14. And verse 1 almost never gets read of uh, 1 Corinthians 14 after the reading of 1 Corinthians 13. We end with that. But the thought of the inspired scripture goes on to chapter 14, verse 1, which says this, let love, you know, after it's all been said in 1 Corinthians 13, let love be your highest goal. Now, isn't that the best way to pursue peace? We've been talking about peace this morning, and a, a special thanks to Su Hyun for uh, choosing that song, Peace, Peace. You know, it took me back, uh, well, actually, in the, the funeral service for Lois, which was so beautiful. The uh, songs, all the songs that she chose for her funeral, my father used to sing as solos in our church in Cloverdale. Uh, quite often he was asked to sing at funerals, uh, solos at funerals, which isn't done anymore today. But it just uh, took me back to that, uh, to that time. Anyhow, that's in the side. So the Apostle Peter picks up that same theme in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, where he says, most important of all, you know, we tend to emphasize a lot of things from Scripture, but when Scripture says most important of all, or make this your highest goal, when Peter says most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. That means that when resentment begins to build up within us and we begin to react, because eventually you will react, venting in some way to try to get rid of the resentment using anger, which ends up being destructive in the end, produces this kind of deepening of the root that we're talking about. And so, let's just go to the scripture that Ruth read for us a little bit. The first verse, verse 12, therefore, so he's reflecting back not just on what Pastor Randy's been preaching from uh, Hebrews 12 already, but he's reflecting back right to the very beginning of the book of Hebrews, this letter that he's writing. And he says, therefore, strengthen your feeble knees or sorry, your feeble arms and your weak knees. Now, he doesn't say, you know, strengthen the, the, the feeble arms of somebody else, right? <laughs> That's kind of where we like to go, you know, point the finger somewhere else when it comes to dealing with this. But he says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Of course, he's referring to a wide population of people as well. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So we need to deal with this that he's going to mention now. For this, not just for our sake, but for the sake of others. So that others, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And then he gets to the heart of what he wants to say. Make every effort 
to live in peace with everyone. And so he doesn't leave any room for exceptions. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And then verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. And so I want to look a little more carefully at what this trouble and defilement may be. You know, so often we say, oh, well, you know, uh, harboring bitterness in your heart doesn't do anybody any good, and the only person that hurts is you. Have you ever heard that before? It's not true. That's not what Scripture says. The Scripture is very clear here where it says, it causes trouble and defilement to many. It doesn't just stay with yourself. So we need to think about this uh, a little more seriously. Bitterness and resentment, uh, psychologists tell us, <laughs> are the foundation stones of hatred. And that's the very opposite to what the Apostle Peter has told us and the Apostle Paul, to let love be your highest goal, to most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. These foundation stones that lead to hatred are the opposite of peace, opposite of love, the opposite of fulfillment, of uh, forgiveness. And we don't have time to look at Esau this morning, but just briefly, take a look at how this affected immoral Esau. These uh, foundation stones of hatred, they did nothing but bring trouble and defilement to himself, to his family. Look at what it did to the relationship with Jacob and his descendants to this present day with the differences and the conflict between Syria and Israel even to this day. And so you see the effect of it, how it grows through a family and through its relationships, not just for the present day, not just for Jacob and Esau and what went on between the two of them, but even centuries later. And so there are at least five uh, troubles or defilements that bitterness will produce in our lives. And I'd like to look at these five. There they are. You can see them on the screen. Um, there are probably more, and some of them obviously uh, do overlap. And so I'd like to take a look at these one by one in the time that we have left. The first is that if we allow a root of bitterness toward God, because that's very prevalent in our society, or another person, it will cause a kind of spiritual dullness. And all of these things, as you saw, start with the letter D. The Gospel Herald uh, carried a story once of uh, a man who, was, uh, who, who, had, who turned very bitter and who really lost his sense of vibrant spirituality. His health was great. His heart was strong, his blood pressure was fine, 
And then all of a sudden, his father died. And he got into a prolonged dispute with his sister over the father's will. And the case went to court, and the sister won everything. And from that day on, he was absolutely possessed with a kind of obsession. He, he perseverated on this loss that he experienced. And every day, he grew to hate his sister more. He couldn't do anything but talk about it and think about it. He filled himself up with it, and his health began to break down. Now, I'm going to start reading quite a few verses from the book of Proverbs, and it, this isn't my research, but actually Sharon in her uh, counseling practice studied the book of Hebrews and the relationship between the body and the soul and spirit and the effects that come back and forth. And so uh, some of her research is reflected in here. Anyhow, so uh, he, he, his heart rate went up, his blood pressure was a problem, he began to have heart issues, his kidneys bothered him, and just things kind of went downhill from there. And before many months uh, took place, he passed away. The writer uh, in the Gospel Herald says it seemed obvious to him that he died from bodily injuries brought on by a powerful kind of bitterness, by a powerful emotion in his life. And he said this, and I quote, I believe the man killed himself. It was death by bitterness. Some call this spiritual suicide. The trigger here was bitter quarrelsomeness. Now think about this verse from the book of Proverbs. What if the man instead had listened to Proverbs 17, 14? Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before the dispute breaks out. I was reading another uh, story about a man who became very bitter towards God. And I was shocked to realize that he actually was the president of the United States. And the comment went that all of the presidents of the United States um, held up a Bible at their inauguration, except this particular man. And this man's name was uh, Franklin Pierce. He was president between 1853 and 57. He was the 14th president of the United States. And just prior to his uh, inauguration, Pierce and his wife and their 11-year-old son took a trip by train, and there was a terrible train wreck, and their son was killed. And Pierce, he was so saddened by this, just infuriated at himself for taking the trip and everything else, all of these things that go on in a person's mind, and he said he couldn't imagine how God could let such a thing happen. And so at his inauguration, he absolutely refused to hold up a Bible. He expressed his bitterness toward God and toward himself. And we might think that, you know, these are fairly extreme examples, and yes, they are. But they do come home. Uh, in our first ministry here in the valley, we had a lady in our church, and she was convinced that the Lord had led her to marry the wrong man. 
absolutely convinced. And she kind of held that against her husband for years and years and years. I couldn't say even perhaps if she still does. So that's the first kind of trouble or the first kind of defilement that can come into our lives as a result of a growing root of bitterness. The second one is a physical deterioration. I was reading a sermon by Charles Stanley on this particular text, and he tells the story of a good friend of his who was a pastor. His wife had cancer, and uh, together they sought the best kind of medical help they could find anywhere. And the doctor that eventually they went to, who his wife was seeing every day for weeks on end, he was studying the relationship between cancer and negative emotions. And as he met with her uh, week after week, he could tell that she just really was in bondage to something. And as they continued their appointments, he tried to get her to cry, but she, she wouldn't. She, she couldn't cry. And somehow, there was simply nothing, she said. There was nothing for me to cry about. She was just holding a dam back. But one day, all of a sudden, when they were talking about different things in family relationships, the tears came, and tears gushed, and she finally came to the place where she just poured out, confessed bitterness that she had had toward her parents for something that had happened years and years and years ago. And when she got it all out, and was able to take her bitterness and dump it, and give it to the Lord, and to forgive, and to begin to have thoughts of kindness towards her parents for the first time in many, many years. Her health began to improve. Her body was strengthened, and with the help of other treatments, she was able to defeat the cancer in her life and to stand beside her husband in ministry. And the doctor said that his professional opinion was that she would not have recovered from cancer if first she had not recovered from bitterness. Now, I don't think Dr. Stanley is implying for a moment that all sickness or cancer is caused by bitterness. But what he is saying is what the Scripture says, especially in Proverbs and also in, in this passage, and also in Ephesians 4, is that it's impossible to be bitter and not have it affect your body. That's the reality that we have to face. So the third one, the third one here is emotional dysfunction. And I know we've had a lot of talk uh, during this last two years about uh, mental health issues. And, I mean, it's a very complex uh, issue for sure. But when you think about what we are going through and what we seem to perhaps be coming out of at this point, you can't help but uh, think that all of the relational troubles that we have and the kind of uh, separation that we've experienced and the decay 
that we've experienced in our relationships. We, we have to think that that plays a pretty definitive role in our mental health state. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Proverbs 18.14, A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Um, I should tell you a, a cute little story. This is... Uh, Sharon told me this about uh, her father, Daddy Tom. And uh, he was fortunate enough in retirement age to have two little girls. They're sitting together right there this morning, Elaine and Sharon. And uh, he, she told me that he would come and uh, he would stand at the door of their bedroom that they shared in their house in Penticton. And he would do his best to try to counsel them to have the best kind of emotional or spiritual health that um, they could have in their lives. And uh, this is something that she told me that he said to them again and again and again when he would stand at the door, not perhaps every single night, but uh, very, very often, often enough for her to remember pretty well exactly what he said to them. And he would look down at them and he'd say, Girls, you must never let anger and bitterness take over your life because it puts poison into your body. Isn't that good? It puts poison into your body. Yes, Minareth Meyer, and this is the next uh, point here, is the social division that growing bitterness can produce in our lives. They say about anger that to, to blow up, it's a mixture of good anger and a vengeance motive. And, and this is where it really uh, is spoken to by the scriptures because the scripture tells us, actually the Lord himself tells us, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You know, I can't help but reflect on some of the uh, interviews that I've heard of Ukrainians who have been just devastated by this war. And the vengeance motive that's there Although we can understand, we can understand the, uh, um, the feeling that that would be and the motive that that would be. And perhaps we even, uh, you know, join in and say, yeah, you know, sock it to those Russians, right? But if we listen to scripture, really the motivation has to change. And our own thinking, perhaps, has to change to align it with Scripture so that we too can say, yes, Lord, vengeance is yours, you repay, right? That's a different kind of focus. And I know, you know, within our own families, you know, we might want to say, 
oh man, I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of you saying that. I'm so tired of this. No, no, it's gone on for years, you know. And you kind of want to wish evil on that person. Or you want to do something. You want to say something to defend yourself, you know. You know what those feelings are like. But what does that do? It drives the resentment, which increases, right? Every time you tell somebody, the resentment grows and the root of bitterness goes deeper. And what happens? It, it, I mean, sure, social distancing was a great thing in terms of helping us be healthy physically. But look what it's done to us otherwise especially when it, you think of the social division that's happened. Hatred stirs up conflict, says the proverb writer, but love covers over all wrongs. So it's interesting, you know, Peter must have read Proverbs. To blow up is a mixture of good anger and a vengeance motive, and it results in a new I don't know whether it's a new, but it's a new ingredient that's called hostility. So we start to become hostile. I have to be careful not to be hostile to my own brother, right? I don't know whether I should say some of these things, but uh, yeah, he wouldn't mind, I'm sure. Uh, because he's totally on the other side of the COVID protection things. Everything should be free. We should just do everything that we want to do. And, you know, the government should butt out of our lives. Basically, that's, that's it. So, so that's fine. That's fine. He, he can say that to me. And I can say, hey, you know, I don't really want to talk about this, but I don't agree with you. So, But then when he starts phoning my kids and talking to my grandkids, <laughs> uh, yeah. In French, we'd say "tu rigoles jaune." You know, that's a that's a yellow laugh. It it's uh, it kind of yeah. Anyhow, I can't explain that. Sorry. But that's where the hostility comes, right? And that's where we have to realize that our temper and our rage, our slamming of doors and driving our car in a reckless, uh, reckless manner and all of these things, the name-calling, the shouting, the temper tantrums, the threats, the sarcasm, and sometimes silence, the stonewalling. What does our text say? It says, make every effort to live in peace. Well, that's not making every effort to live in peace. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone, even my brother. I'm sure you can think of other people, <laughs> right? Right, that's right. With everyone and be holy. Me? <laughs> I need to put more and more distance between myself and this sin of hostility? My goodness. Well, and see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. 
all of my kids love their uncle. They think he's great and sort of crazy, right? Uh, I'm not sure they think I'm so great sometimes. And uh, they certainly don't think I'm crazy. They probably think I'm too serious, right? But what good does it do for me to allow a, a root of bitterness to grow into my life to cause trouble and defile everybody in my family. Because the devil's lie is that if you hold bitterness in your heart, it's justified and it only hurts you. But that isn't true. It causes trouble and it defiles many people. So I guess we have to ask ourselves the question, how many people am I defiling by my bitterness? The last one here is relational decay, a root of bitterness toward God or another person left to grow in our hearts will bring about a decay in relationships. Now, I think we've all experienced a decay in relationships over the COVID period, not perhaps particularly because of bitterness and relational problems, but just by doing, you know, the fact that we've been so separated for so long. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Boy, haven't we experienced that? I need to refer to Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 here because it's a parallel passage to uh, this passage here, Hebrews 12, uh, 14 and 15. This is what the Apostle Paul says, echoing exactly what we're hearing from the Lord here on this. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, the Apostle Paul says very pointedly, he says, trash all bitterness. That's a pretty good translation of the Greek word. The way it's uh, in the New International Version, it says, it says this, get rid of all bitterness, trash it, trash it. It has no business being in your house, has no business being in your heart, trash it, along with every form of malice, every form. Scripture doesn't mince any words, does it? Every form of malice. Right? Any thought that I have of trying to diminish another person because of their views or whatever, every form of malice, trash all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So, here's the prevention. The Apostle Paul does what the writer to the Hebrews doesn't do. He gives the order, I guess you could say, the command, get rid of trash, bitterness, but he also gives the way to prevent it and the way to get rid of it. The, get, the way to trash it is to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. 
And uh, I'm going to have to move on here, but uh, I'd like to just talk a little bit about the importance of coming to the place where trashing it means I actually take those feelings of resentment and what it is that's causing those feelings and I give it to the Lord himself. Because it's, it's one thing to talk about these things, it's one thing to read scriptures on it, it's another thing to say, Lord, I'm very resentful about this particular thing. In my case, it would be something like, Lord, I not only resent what my brother is doing, but I resent him. And I'm at the place where I'm hostile and I want to do something to it. Lord, take it. <laughs> take it. In other words, I come to him and I just say, Lord, take it. So whatever it is that you're resentful about, could be something your spouse says to you or does all the time, could be one of your kids, it could be a situation, it might be that you're resentful towards the Lord and you have to say, Lord, I, I'm, I resent you because you allow this to happen in my life. And I don't want to live with this bitterness at all. Lord, just take it, take it as the first step. Because that's what the Apostle Paul's telling us here in Ephesians 4. Trash it. And forgive. Right? Forgiveness has to be part of this. But until we come to the Lord and say, Lord, take this. And we've actually gotten ourselves free from it. We really can't forgive the perpetrators. Which doesn't mean that we agree that they've done nothing wrong. And it doesn't mean that we don't uh, realize that justice still needs to take place. But the Lord will take care of it for me. I've given it to Him. Forgiveness. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul, uh, he finishes that with Kindness, be kind. So here's the three steps. Get rid of it, take it to the Lord, allow Him to take it, forgive, and then be kind. There's a, a little quote here that uh, we have on the screen from George MacDonald. It comes from uh, one of his writings, uh, Hope of the Gospel. It's on page 139. And I think it's important for us to think through perhaps some of these things. He says, one thing is plain, and he's referring to the, the context of this is the command of the Lord Jesus Christ to love our enemies and to do good to those who despitefully use us. This is the context. He says, one thing is plain from this teaching of Jesus, that we must love the strife maker 
Another is nearly as plain, that if we do not love him, we must leave him alone. For without love, there can be no peacemaking, and words will but occasion more strife. And then he says, to be kind neither hurts nor compromises. Kindness has many phases, and the fitting form of it may avoid offense and must avoid untruth. It's well worth it to think through. I'd like to conclude uh, this morning with the uh, story of the Amish population of Nickel Mines, Pennsylvania. Some of you might remember this. It happened in 2006 in October when uh, Charles Roberts, a 32-year-old father of several children, a married man, he entered an Amish schoolhouse and he shot 10 girls, ages 6 to 13. He lined them all up. Five of them died, and five of them were injured, and an 11th little girl managed to escape. And then he shot himself. And the response of the Amish, uh, the Amish uh, people to this stunned the world, and especially stunned the United States of America. In uh, Charles Roberts' suicide note, he spoke of the anger and resentment that he held against God and against himself for other things he had done. And when you think about it, for most people, the decision to take this to the Lord and let him take his vengeance and to forgive um, comes, if ever, uh, at the end of a long kind of emotional journey. But the Amish, however, by conviction, they invert the process. In other words, they, they choose prior, they, they make a prior commitment to Jesus' teaching to forgive even before an offense happens. In other words, they front load forgiveness rather than backloaded. And so, even before the offense happens, they have made this prior commitment to forgive. And then they work through the emotions over time. So, they carefully put into practice Jesus' teaching here. And it was criticized in the press, it was criticized in the media again and again and again that this was just letting people off and it, you know, they needed to, they needed justice and they needed it now and all of these severe things. But the Amish took a different approach. First of all, they took their grief and they took their sorrow and they took their hostility and their resentment and their hatred and they took it to the Lord. They, they trashed it, and they left it with him. They forgave, they front-loaded their forgiveness, and then they acted in incredibly kind ways that shocked the world and still shocks the world today. 
They reached out to his widow. They reached out to his children. They started a foundation to give support to the family because they had no more income. They attended the funeral. Of only 75 people that attended the funeral, over half of them were Amish victims who came to comfort the family. And one of the Amish elders held the father of the shooter in his arms for almost an hour as he wept and wept and wept at what his son had done. One Amish farmer explained to the media when they criticized them for being so easy on the family. He said, this man is created in the image of God and he is standing before his maker, the just God. And he said, the acid of bitterness eats the container that holds it. And I heard a video clip at one time, or actually it was an audio clip of another interview where one of the farmers who was a dairy farmer held out his milk pail. And he said, it's like rust in the milk pail. You get a little bit of rust, it just keeps on growing, and eventually it ruins the container. One of the elders, too, when asked about making forgiveness too easy and all of these things, one of the grieving fathers said, our forgiveness was not our words. Our forgiveness is what we did. Let's pray. Lord, you know our hearts uh, this morning. You know what has happened in our lives, every incident, every conversation, all of it. You know the people who have treated us poorly. You know the situations that we have faced. You know how difficult it has been for us to go through these two years of worldwide pandemic. And all of the things that have taken place relationally that have been difficult for us. Lord, we want to take this time just in this brief silence. To let you take these things. To let you take the resentment that we perhaps feel. Lord, take it. We admit that it's garbage that needs to be taken out. Just take a moment to let it go. And then you call upon us, as Ephesians 4 tells us, to front load our forgiveness. As the Lord Jesus Christ prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You, you have called us as your followers to follow you in this too. As hard as, as, hard as, as it is. 
And then as the Apostle Paul calls us to kindness, and as we read from George MacDonald that being kind to someone who has hurt us or sinned against us, it never hurts and it never compromises. Show us in the many ways, the many aspects that kindness can take. How to treat these perpetrators with kindness. With the kind of kindness that they may see through and see the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Lord, we pray for this kind of uh, victory. We pray for this uh, in the war that's raging now. We pray for this in the various denominational contexts that are meeting in the next few months to decide difficult things. We pray for this in our own personal lives. We pray for this in our own relationships within our own families. And we pray for this, Lord, within our local church here in Vernon and in all the other churches in this city, in this province. For we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Dan, for that word. Uh, make every effort, every effort. We've been challenged today. I invite you at this time to open your hands to receive our closing blessing and benediction. That as you go from this place, as you go from this service, that you, that you would heed the call of our Lord. If there's things you need to let go of, if there's a root that you need to dig out, that you need to trash, then do it. And know that God will give the empowering presence of his spirit with its lovely fruit of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, to take the place of that root of bitterness. So release it and let the Holy Spirit fill you. Go in the name of the Father, who loves you, the Son who died for you, and the Holy Spirit who is willing to fill you with all that is good. Amen. Go in peace.